will go ahead and take your Bibles, and we're going to be starting off in Galatians chapter 2. So during the month of April, of course, uh, we're going to be kind of having a family theme month, and we're going to have guest speakers in every week. Of course, uh, this morning's main service is going to be about Easter and the resurrection because of the fact that it's Easter, but then tonight my dad will be preaching, and um, so all the... Sunday messages are kind of be geared towards the family, and since we're having guest speakers each Sunday, I can't go like a whole month of Sundays not preaching, so I'm doing the Sunday school hour uh, during the month of April, and I'm going to be preaching along these same lines too, and hopefully these will be uh, a help and a blessing and try to just give some, uh, you know, just real practical help to uh, help improve families. We need good families. One of the reasons our country is going down the toilet is the family structure is just terrible. And people today, they think that just anything that calls itself a family is a family. They think, uh, you know, two dudes adopting a kid is like a regular family. In fact, there was somewhere where they had three dudes that adopted a kid. And it counted. And that's messed up. I mean, I can't even imagine what's going to happen to that poor kid. And there's just a lot of things that are completely backwards. And the problem is, since... The family is falling apart in our country and in our culture. You know, a lot of times that ends up affecting the church because our culture rubs off on us, doesn't it? And whether we like it or not, uh, we are influenced by the American culture. And as a result of that, it can get us in a lot of trouble and uh, cause us to do things that are wrong and end up being that are destructive uh, to our families. Uh, But anyway, this morning, though, what I want to talk about specifically is raising second-generation Christians. Now, uh, there's, I think there are some unique challenges that uh, for parents who are raising second-generation children. So what I mean by that, if you are somebody who got saved later in life, maybe you didn't grow up as a Christian, you're kind of that first-generation Christian, but then now you're raising your children, and they're going to grow up in a Christian home. And... One thing that I've observed over just years of being in the ministry and in church is that there are some areas where I think um, parents who are raising those second-generation kids, are they, they don't understand what those kids are up against. And I'm somebody who was raised a second-generation Christian. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm somebody who uh, experienced this from your child's perspective, and I kind of know what they're up against. And so hopefully I can give you some things that will help you. But let's go ahead and start reading in Galatians. I want to show a concept to you that we see in the Bible that I think will help us understand the challenge that we're up against in raising second-generation Christians. But in Galatians 2.15, it says, We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. Now what Paul's saying right here, he's showing, first off, no flesh is justified by the works of the law. Whether you are a Jew and you live a moral life, that is trying to follow the law, you still come short of it, and you're not justified. You need Jesus Christ. But he's, he notice how he's comparing 
the Jew versus the sinner. Okay? Now, I get it. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everyone's a sinner. But there's a difference between somebody who is living the life of a sinner. In other words, they practice sin. They do just whatever they feel like doing. And then that person who actually has some moral restraint and or somebody, too, especially who's from a culture that has some laws, you know, and thankfully we still have some law in this country. You know, there's some things that you're not allowed to do. And there we have some semblance of law and order, but there are some places where they really have no law and order. You know, there are some places in this world where people can just walk around pretty much naked, you know, in the you know, jungles of Africa and things like that. That's wrong. That's what they do over there. And, you know, we look at that and we think, you know, what a bunch of heathen, right? And they are. Okay? Now, I get it. We're sinners too, but that's really bad. And a lot of times when you, if you pull somebody out of that heathen lifestyle and you put them in the, you know, Christian lifestyle, it's a shock to their system, isn't it? And some of you all, maybe you've experienced that in your life because you didn't grow up in a Christian home. You grew up living a worldly life and just doing what everybody does as Americans and as lost people. And then all of a sudden you got saved and you started changing your life, you know, and you now look back at those things. You're ashamed of those things. And you're like, I don't want my kids, you know, raised in that filth. And you're right. You don't. And so now you want them raised, being taught the things of God. And so now, you know, a lot of times, you know, for me, when I was growing up, there were certain things that just seem crazy and foreign to me you know just the people shacking up you know i was shocked when i got a job in the secular world and i found out how common that was i didn't realize how common that was you know i grew up in a christian home i went to a christian school i was not around worldly things and i was shocked when i found out that you know people uh you know shack up you know commit fornication the way they do um the language that was another thing that blew me away I didn't know women cussed like that. I mean, I was, when I started, I remember when I started working at McDonald's and I started hearing the language of the females there, I thought, wait a minute, I thought guys were supposed to stand up, you know, for women. And if a guy, another guy cussed in a lady's presence, you were supposed to rebuke them. But what do you do when it's the ladies <laughs> dropping the F-bombs and things? You know, what what's going on here? That was foreign to me. And I, I'm like completely repulsed by that. You know why? Because, you know, I was, you know, Baptist born, Baptist bred. You don't do that stuff. We don't even say what the H-E double hockey sticks. And, you know, that's how, that's how I grew up. And so when I'm hearing these things, I'm, I'm shocked, okay? So do you all understand, you know, when Paul's saying we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, okay, he's not contradicting what he wrote in Romans about for all have sinned, okay? I think we all get what he's talking about. And as Christians, as fundamental Baptists, we get it. We're sinners, right? We all need saving. You can live the Baptist life, follow the Baptist rules, but if you've not put faith in Jesus Christ, you will split hell wide open just like the drunkard. But there is a difference between how we live and how they live. There's, there's clearly a difference, and it's important that we understand that concept. And I think when you came out of that life, and then now you're raising children in this Christian life, who don't know about that previous life, there's some things you need to understand that you're up against that I think a lot of parents don't realize and it causes them to make some big mistakes. So how, how many of you all in here were raised IFB? Okay. All right, really, really? Is there, there's a, 
only a couple people in here besides my family. And yeah, and Emily. So oh, there's only a few people in here that were raised IFB. It, and so most of you in here were probably, you know, you're the, you're the second generation Christians like me. And so I think you'll be able to understand what I'm talking about a little bit. So understand what I'm going to be talking about. This is for you. This is this will be a help to you. This is what uh, you need to understand. So because if you didn't grow up in the IFB, you've got to understand there's some things, there's some challenges that your children are going to have that you don't understand, that you have not experienced. Now, there's some advantages. There's major, listen, if you grew up in the IFB, you had a great advantage. You, I mean, I mean, you uh, just benefited greatly from that. But there are unique challenges you need to understand. And I think good theology will help us know how to handle these things. But unfortunately, there's just, in, in the IFB world, there's a lot of bad or just incomplete theology and as a result, they keep losing the next generation. And we're constantly hearing, usually preachers who did not grow up IFB, but left Southern Baptists or just left worldliness or even just being lost, became IFB, and then they lose their children to what they came from. And they don't understand that. I've heard preachers lament this over and over again. I don't understand you know, why this next generation, they're all going back to what we left. That's what they that's what they keep saying all the time. And I I think I know exactly why they are going back to what you left. But unfortunately these people don't ask me. Right? I've got the answer for everything, right? At least you know, I think we do. But no, I, I do think I'm in a unique situation and I, I see these things from a perspective that they don't understand because I am that second generation Christian. I was raised IFB and I get why people are going that way. I, I think I think I've figured out what's going on and I want to and you know and I can't help those people you know they're not going to listen to me but because I'm wrong you know I think I'm wrong in eschatology but I can help all of you out in this and at least we can do good in our church and that's what's important I'm only the pastor of this church I'm not pastor of the IFB and if they ever vote me to be their pope I'll take it because they no I'm just kidding but that's <laughs> that's not going to happen but anyway so we need to understand there is a Christian lifestyle, there is a worldly lifestyle. Acts 15, verse 19 says, Wherefore my sentence is that we trouble not them which from the Gentiles are turned to God, but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. For Moses of old time hath in every city them that preach him being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. Now, we don't have time to go through this whole passage, but what we have going on is we have Jews who had gotten saved, who, but were starting to teach that you had to be circumcised and keep the law of Moses in order to be saved. Well, this freaked out the Gentiles that had gotten saved, especially the men, because here they are, grown men, and they don't want to get circumcised. And they're very upset. They're very nervous about this. And so they, the apostles, they get together, they talk about this thing, and they confirm that no, these people do not have to keep the law in order to be saved. We couldn't keep the law. So why are we going to put a burden on them that we couldn't handle? If we couldn't handle it, you better believe these people can't handle it. Because they haven't grown up being taught the things we even have. They, you know, These things are new to them, and we're not going to put an unnecessary burden on these people. But what they did tell them, though, is not in order to be saved, but they did instruct them not to eat meat sacrificed to idols, to abstain from fornication, 
you know, to uh, stay away from idolatry because these were very common things in that Gentile world. And these things, while they don't keep you from getting saved, they are repulsive to God. And we and they had people in every city that they brought up in verse 21 that preach about the law of Moses. And so if you have these Gentile Christians, you know, fornicating and doing all these other wicked things, it's going to be very offensive to these Jews that, you know, uh, read Moses and follow Moses. They're going to be offended by that stuff. And so they did give some instructions, you know, hey, you don't need to live like animals. You should have some rest- moral restraint. You should behave yourself. But this was a kind of, you know, all these things were kind of a shock to these Gentiles. We see in Ephesians 2, 1, says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Paul's saying, before you got saved, you know what you did? You just did what the world does. You walked according to the course of this world. Now, what did that look like back then? I don't know exactly what that looked like, but I know what that looks like today. If you're somebody who is just dead in your trespasses and sin, you know what you're doing? You're doing pretty much what everybody else is doing. You're walking according to the course of this world. You're following their trends. You're following their culture. And these things are bad. These things are wrong. And we want people to get saved out of it. We want people, after they get saved, to change their life. We want that. They need it because these are bad things that are destroying their lives. Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, by the brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So there is a, a, a way of the world. And those of you that are the first generation Christians, you know from experience what that is like. Those of us who are the second generation, we don't know what that's like. You know, we, I, I grew up, I, you know, that's one nice thing. One of the advantages right now to being raised IFB is I'm used to acting different and I'm used to looking different. I don't think anything of being the only guy in Walmart not wearing a mask. You know, that's not weird for me. I'm used to being different and looking different. Some people are freaked out by that, you know, and that's why uh, a lot of people have PTSD from their IFB days when they had to dress a certain way, you know, because they couldn't handle the looks of people that they would get and that, you know, and they're traumatized because of that. Uh, it doesn't bother me at all. And I'm th- and, you know, and I, I have no problem with being different, but there is, you know, so there is a way of the world. There is, uh, there, there are differences there. And so something we need to understand is that the Christian slash IFB lifestyle, it is still a lifestyle that comes short of the glory of God and is in need of saving. Okay, And that's what Romans 1 through 3 is all about. Okay, Romans 1, you've got the Gentiles, you've got those that have been given over a reprobate mind. In chapter 2, you've got those who are the Jews who they, you know, were better than the Gentiles. You know, they weren't doing the things that they were doing. They actually had some law. They had some things they were trying to follow. But at the end of the day, they still came short. 
And that's why we see in Romans 3 where it says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The religious need saving, the heathen need saving. Both groups, they need, they need saving. And so while those who are religious and those who are worldly both need a savior, we've got to understand there are major differences in the lives of those who live the Christian way and who live the way of the world. And so each lifestyle, it comes with its own unique challenges. And so what you've got to understand as a parent, you've got to get this. A lot of parents don't get this. Even if your child gets saved at a young age, they are still made out of the same flesh that you are. Okay, Just burn this in your brain. They are made out of the exact same flesh that you are. Many parents, they think if my child gets saved, then they're not going to want to do the things that I used to do. And that's why the, you know, the previous generation of pastors, they're looking at the younger generation of pastors and they're saying, why in the world are these guys going back to what we came out of? You know why? Because they're made out of the same flesh that you are made out of. That's why they are, they're inclined to go towards those things. But here's the difference. You say, well, when I got saved, I walked away from that stuff. You know, when I got saved, I mean, I really got saved. You know, I never looked back. I didn't want to do those things anymore. And, you know, and so these people who say they're saved and then they go back to that, they they go to those things. They go to what I got saved out of. I doubt that they're even saved. And no, listen, there's, here's the difference. Okay. Look what it says in Romans chapter six and verse 19 says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. It's a major handicap. That's something major we have working against us right now is our flesh. Did you know your children who got saved at a young age, they still have flesh? It's the same flesh that caused all your problems. They got that infirmity of the flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye in those things whereof ye are now ashamed for the end of those things is death. Those of you who used to be servants to sin, those things that you did back then, you're ashamed of them now. And that's why you don't want to do those things anymore. Now, I do believe the Holy Spirit plays a part in that too. But understand that there is a genuine shame and regret that even some lost people have when it comes to things that they did in the past. You know why? Because they figured out this doesn't make you happy. This isn't a good thing. This ruined my life. This, this made me miserable. There's a lot of lost people that have walked away from drinking and will never go back to it. You know why? Because they're ashamed of what they did. They learn the hard way that it's bad. They learn, and the reason you're ashamed now is you got your belly full of sin and you have knowledge of what the end result is. You don't have faith on what the end result is. You have knowledge. You know what it's like. You've experienced, but that second generation Christian, they actually have to have faith. They, you know, those of us who never experienced all those things that the Bible said is bad and will destroy you, you know what? We just have to believe God. We don't have that knowledge or that experience. And as, and so as a result of that, we have to trust God and that can be difficult. Turn over to Romans 7. So look what it says in Romans 7. Cause you see, those rules that you have in your home that are good rules, that are biblical rules, 
Did you know sometimes those things, you know, those rules that you have, and, and a lot of parents too, and I, I've heard this so many times over the years, they go and they think about all the things that got them in trouble growing up. And so in their homes, they've got all these rules against those things that got them in trouble growing up. Now, that's just wisdom, right? It, that I'm, I'm not telling you not to do that. You should do that. That's smart, but here's what you've got to understand. The reason those things got you in trouble wasn't so much because you didn't have the rules. It's because you were just giving your flesh what it wanted, and your flesh is sinful. Your flesh wants bad things. But did you know that rules, they often make us want to do certain things too. And look what it says in Romans 7, verse 7. It says, what should we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, for without the law, sin was dead. He's basically saying here, that law actually made me want to do the sin. It wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. It would be like if all of a sudden we just put a sign on that door that said, Do not enter. All of a sudden, that's going to make you all like, Why not? I want to go in there. If we hadn't put anything on there, you wouldn't have even thought about it. But because there's a sign on the door, like that one back there that says, stop sleeping newborn babies. You know, if it just said stop, that would just probably make you want to go in even more. It's got the reason on there, so that probably helps a little bit because nobody wants to wake up babies. But isn't that, the way, isn't that the way it is? You know, if somebody puts a sign up that just says, do not touch, you know, what do you want to do? You want to touch it. That's that sin nature in us. Okay? Now... Look and so look what Paul said uh, after that. Oh, I don't I don't have that passage down, but you know he basically said you know so he says well there's a law sin. He's like God forbid because I had not known sin but by the law. So sin it did kind of get us in trouble. You could or not sin get us in trouble. The law kind of got us in trouble in a way, but at the end of the day it helped because it showed us that we were sinful, and that's what we needed to realize. And so if we didn't have a law showing us we're sinful, we wouldn't realize the need for a savior, and then we wouldn't be able to get saved. So it's actually good that there's a bunch of law laws, but notice how in verse 11 he said, for sin taking occasion by the commandment deceived me and it slew me. So that concupiscence that was wrought in him, that law that said not to do this thing, it made him want to do it. And what ended up happening, he got deceived by the sin. And let me tell you, once you have tasted something and you now know what it tastes like, a lot of times the temptation goes away. So, for example, have you ever seen some food that looked really good and then you tasted it? And you were tempted before. It was making your mouth water before. But then once you taste it, you're like, forget that. You're not no longer tempted. You're no longer tempted anymore because you know what it tastes like. And understand those, those sins that you did in the past Okay? You did those things because that your flesh was deceived. You were deceived, and your flesh desired those things. Well, your kids are made out of the same flesh. They are going to desire those things too. Today, because you have knowledge of what it tastes like, you have no interest in it, but they don't. They either just have to trust you as their parents, or they have to just trust God. But either way, their flesh, you know, it, it leans that direction and that is a real challenge and you've, that you've got to understand. And too many parents, they think, because my kids are saved, 
They're not going to want to do those things. No, they are going to want to do those things that you did. And one of the reasons they're going to want to do those things that you did specifically is because they're your offspring, because they came from you. That's why they're going to be even more likely to want to do those things. And we've got to understand that, that sin is deceptive. And so when something, you know, something looks good to eat or drink, so the temptation is there until you try it. And once you try it and you have knowledge, the temptation goes away. Okay. You know, and there are some things that continually tempt you. For example, too, I, I thought of this weird illustration, stuffing. All right. How many of you here like stuffing, like you eat on Thanksgiving? Stuffing. It looks good, it smells wonderful, but it's gross. Right? And for some reason, almost every Thanksgiving, I have to try a little bit of it. And then I eat a couple bites, I'm like, this is gross. But it looks so good and it smells so good, and there's like a part of me that always wants it. But every time I eat it, I regret it. You know, you know, and and that there's a lot of sins out there like that too. It's like we've gotten in trouble with it before, but there's just something about it that makes us want to keep going back to it. Isn't that, am I the only one that's like that with some things? Yeah. But there are, there are some things that I've tried before that I'll never try again because I know what that tastes like. I know, I, or I know what that does to me and therefore I'm never going to want to do it to get, do it again. And you've got to understand that that's what your, that's what your children are facing. And a lot of kids who grow up in fundamental Baptist homes, a lot of times too, they have just, they deal with so many temptations and desires to try things because they're made out of the same flesh you are. And here's the other thing, too. They're also seeing all the stuff that's being promoted. You know, if you're watching all the same television that everybody's watching, you're going to want the same things that everybody else is wanting. You got to understand, they're paying millions of dollars, you know, on these commercials. You know why? Because they work. You know, they spend all that, you know, companies spend millions of dollars just to get people to use their phone or wear an item of clothing in a movie. You know why? Because it makes your children, it makes you want to go and buy those things and do those same things. That's how they get people to wear skinny jeans. Nobody wears them because they're comfortable. They wear them because, you know, some celebrities doing it. And then they end up doing the same thing too. And what we have today is we have a generation of fundamental Baptists that grew up where they weren't allowed to do anything. And they, and they do. They've got all this desire for all these things of the world that their parents had, that you had. And you've got to understand that, you know, there is going to be something in your children that's going to want to, at some point, try all those things. And what ends up happening in most cases, is most of these young people, they grow up being raised this way, and then as soon as they get out of mom and dad's house, now it's time for me to experiment. Now it's time for me to try all these things. And so the, the, the key is you have to do whatever you can do to teach them why these things are wrong, to show them the, you know, the end result or not even to, it's not even just about taking things away and not doing things. You've got to replace these things with, with good things, you know, and that's one of the, um, that's one of the things I, one of the reasons I think souling is one of the best things you can do to help your kids because that gives them a view of the real world. When they get to go 
and there's you know you're talking to people of all different ages and demographics you know all different um you know economic statuses and things like that they get to see all that and you know they're not stupid they they'll figure out where these things lead when they're going up to all these just dumpy houses and they're seeing the beer cans and the cigarettes all over the place you know what that's going to tell them that's where this stuff leads you know just yesterday you know i had chloe with me we went into a house that was horrible the the lady uh, we knocked on the door she asked us to come in and we went in and it smelled horrible we she calls us in that she's in the next room she's laying in the bed and she is on this bed that is just full of trash and food and it was it was just it was so horrible and you know and i, I don't want to take my kids out there and say and just you know so they see that and say oh look at these disgusting people and how bad they live and everything like that no but i do want them to see that this is this is what humans are capable of humans are capable of living in some pretty horrible filth and they see what it's really like you know when you actually go to the house of a homo or something like that and you see what it's really like there you see how they really live. it's not like on hollywood it's not how they it's not how they portray these things on there you know it's good to let them go and uh you know knock on the door of that young couple that's shacking up you know with that girl who's you know 18 years old and already has two kids and see how they're living you know that when they see those results like that those are those that's what helped me growing up you know because you know i grew up in the ifb world too where i wasn't allowed to do anything but i also grew up working on bus routes going soul winning and you know seeing what it was like in the real world and when i saw those things i didn't want to have anything to do with it you know when i got a job out in the real world that that's what taught me immediately that i was raised right when i got when i got that job at mcdonald's and i saw you know to me the end result you know this is the end result that i'm you know uh, here, you know, here you have a guy who you know i'm 16 years old i'm making minimum wage Back then, it was like four seventy-five an hour because I remember when it went up about five dollars an hour, and I thought I was in the big time. But you know, I'm I'm working with guys more than twice my age who are also making minimum wage, who have baby mamas all over the place. They have no money for anything. I'm seeing all this stuff. I'm like, man, I don't want any of that. I, I don't want any of those things because these things are destructive these things this is where that temptation leads this is what my parents warned me about and a lot of young people because they are so sheltered they never they never get to see that part and next week we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about sheltering because i do believe that sheltering is good to a certain extent but i think you can take it too far and if and and so many people who grew up in that lifestyle it's like they want their children to just have no knowledge of its existence. And there is, a, there is a line somewhere, okay? You know, the Bible does say, learn not the way of the heathen. But at the same time, too, we are living among the heathen. There's things we're going to learn. There's things we're going to, and, and I'm going to, people are miss, messing those verses up. And, uh, and they're taking them too far. And I do believe when you raise somebody this way, and then you overly shelter them, 
I think it's just kind of, I think it's a recipe for disaster. And what's going to happen, your children are going to grow up and then they're going to go and do all the things that their flesh has always desired. And it's the same thing that yours desired. And that's why, in terms of Galatians 5, we'll close with this. This is so important. So the reason your child wants to do certain sins is because they are your children. That is why. Because they are your children. You got to just get that in your head. Oh, my kids never saw me do this. It doesn't matter. It's in their DNA. And, and you know, there's so many things that they, bad things that they picked up from you just from watching you and living with you. And they got some good stuff and they got the bad stuff too. It's there. So what you have to do with your children, you have to instill a desire in them to be like their heavenly father. Because if they're not like their heavenly father, you know what? They're going to end up like their earthly father. And not in a good way. Well, I'm doing pretty good now, but that's because now you're like your heavenly father. That's what's different about you now. Now you're like your heavenly father and you've got to instill that in them so they will want to be like their heavenly father. Otherwise, they're going to be just like you. And Galatians 5, 16 says, This I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to the other, so you cannot do the things that you would, but if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. And we're not going to go through all these, but then when he goes on and he lays out these works of the flesh, understand these works of the flesh here, you know, they're, it, it, it's, it's covering pretty much everything, but you could take really any one of these works of the flesh and you could break them down into subcategories, okay, into more specific subcategories. So, for example, uh, let's you know take idolatry, okay? Idolatry might be a little different for one culture than another culture. For some people, it might be actually worshiping idols and bowing down to statues. There might be one culture that has a problem with that, but there might be another culture that their idols are celebrities. You know, that's more likely something we would deal with in our culture, just make it a big deal or even things, money, you know, possessions, things like that. Many times, you know, so there's, there's different subcategories you could break these things down into and understand that if your children follow the lust of the flesh, how those things are manifested are going to be probably almost identical how they were with you because again it's just it's just in their dna and all these guys all these kids that are going growing up in christian homes and then going and living the life their parents did it's because it's in their physical dna and they are walking in the flesh you have to teach them to walk in the spirit so they'll be like their heavenly father that that's what you have to do these uh pastors and churches that are leaving what they've been taught and going back you know to what they're uh, you know, pre, their predecessors came out of. You know why they're doing that? It's because they're following the flesh, and they are doing exactly, you know, what their forefathers did. It's just it's it's in our nature, and so that's why Paul said, "But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. And if we live in the spirit." Let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. 
Understand, this walking in the Spirit thing is something that we have to do until Jesus comes back. We don't, we don't get to take a break from this. You take a break from walking in the Spirit, and you know what you're doing? You're walking in the flesh. And you know what that's going to look like? It's going to look like exactly like what you came out of. Every, every single time. And I'm afraid a lot of the, the first generation Christians, they don't understand this concept. They think, I'm going to get them saved. You know, I'm going to pull them out of the public school. I'm going to shelter them from all these things. And they'll never want to do that stuff that I did. Wrong. If they walk in the flesh, they will want to do all of those things that you used to do. And, and I believe when they do it, they will be in bigger trouble than when you did it. Because when you did it, you did it and you found mercy because you did it ignorantly in unbelief. When your children go and they do those things, they're doing it in rebellion. And rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. They will be in bigger trouble than you. And, just, and you came out of it, they probably never will. And that's just the way this stuff works. And it's important that you parents that are raising your kids this way never forget that your children have the same flesh that you do. And you need to do everything you can to uh, instill a love for God and a desire to be like their heavenly father. They don't want, don't, you don't want them to be like you. You want to be like your heavenly father. And anything that you've got good going for you right now is because of your heavenly father. And if they'll follow him, then they'll do just fine. But until then, if they don't, they're going to be just like you. And that can be scary. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word. I pray, Lord, that this message will be a help. And I pray we'll keep these things in mind and just uh, do our best to uh, you know, teach our children about you so they'll want to be like you.